It's instant analysis on the heels of a pretty historic evening, afternoon and evening in University of Alabama Athletics. The Alabama Crimson Tide on the football field defeats the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs in the 2021 SEC Championship game. 24-point second quarter for Alabama helps the Crimson Tide get the job done for a seventh straight time over the Georgia Bulldogs. And how many of these have the Dogs had 10 points, double-digit leads, essentially, for Georgia in so many of these games, especially when you talk about the games in Atlanta, 2012, 2018 in January, 2018 in December, and now 2021, the Dogs get out to a 10-0 lead. That is erased in the second quarter, sparked by that 67-yard touchdown catch from Jamison Williams, deep crossing route that he turned into an explosive play from Bryce Young. Historic day, historic performances. We're going to try to get into all of them with you here on Instant Analysis. And, of course, we'll also talk about a historic evening out in the Pacific Northwest as Alabama men's hoops takes care of the Zags, the Bulldogs of Gonzaga, as I've heard many, many times here in the last couple hours. Not a great day to be a Bulldog if you went up against Alabama in some form or fashion. But Nate Oates' team, 91-82 winners out there in the battle in Seattle between Alabama, 16th-ranked Alabama. So first time in college sports history, I guess, that you have the same school beat top five opponents in both football and men's basketball. That all happened. That all happened for Alabama fans on Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening. Now, of course, we're going to start with the football. We'll move throughout the sort of afternoon and evening, and we'll certainly – Check in with you. Yes, Isaac, how are you doing? That's right. Ravelly it was. It was a great day to be an Alabama fan, no doubt about that. Um, We'll kind of work through the afternoon and evening. Again, the big game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Bryce Young, 26 of 44, 421, had 286 in the first half. That was a new SEC championship game record, and then the 421 sets a new game record passing for Bryce Young, and I think we can all agree Bryce Young going to pick up some hardware up in New York City here in the not-too-distant future, right? Bryce Young had to have put a wrap on the 2021 Heisman Trophy in that performance against the Bulldogs. Will be the first, assuming he wins it, I mean, right, Nehemiah? I mean, we got to assume at this point, uh, first quarterback in Alabama football history to win the Heisman Trophy. couple running backs, Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, and then, of course, Devontae Smith at the wide receiver position last year. But, man, you think about the quarterbacks in Alabama football history, and Bryce Young set to become the first of those to win the sport's most coveted individual honor uh again the second quarter just amazing had a feel of you know is Alabama gonna do this offensively are we gonna see the sort of explosiveness that we had seen from this offense pretty much throughout the season didn't see it as much at Auburn a week ago uh you know it was a big day for John Mechie in that game 13 for 150 against the Tigers but yeah the 67 yarder 
to Williams was really the spark. And give the Alabama defense some credit, too. Uh, it was a 10 nothing lead for Georgia there in the first quarter and change. Uh, but I thought it was a big sack from Dallas Turner to get off the field and force that field goal uh, for Georgia in the first quarter. That was a real positive. Um, you know, I did a good job against that Georgia run game. Some of the things we talked about in the three matchups throughout the week, some of the things we talked about in five predictions. And, yes, I did pick. I did pick the dogs. Hey, Joan, how are you up in Chicago? One of my very favorite cities. Anywhere, Joan. Love me some Cortino, Italian, up there in the Windy City. Um, you know, did a good job against the, the Georgia run game. One of the real keys was kind of like last year's game in Tuscaloosa. Get Stetson Bennett north of, say, 30 pass attempts. Because he'd only been above 21 uh, in one of his nine starts this season. And in the win in Tuscaloosa last year, uh, you got him up to around, well, you got him up to 40 pass attempts in that game. So you get him to 48 in this one. Uh, he throws a couple more picks. He has five now in two games against Alabama. Had three in the game last year. Um, Brock Bowers is the real deal, isn't he? The Georgia tight end. That kid is uh, not only an exceptional talent, but a real competitor. Uh, you know, a guy that you want on your team for a multitude of reasons. And he was targeted 16 times in the game. A lot of pass interference calls, uh, a lot of defensive secondary uh, penalties in this game. Georgia had a couple. Darian Kendrick, the corner for Georgia, earned a couple of those. Kool-Aid McKinstry with a couple of PIs for Alabama. You had the sequence there in the second quarter where, what you have? The hold. You had a hold on Josh Job. You had a P.I. on Kool-Aid and a P.I. on Brian Branch. So a lot of flags on the back ends of the defenses uh, in this one. But, again, Alabama defense did enough to get off the field. Georgia not as balanced as certainly Todd Munkin, the UGA defensive coordinator, would like his unit to be. He did not want to see a ratio of 48 passes to 30 runs. Uh, that certainly got Georgia out of its comfort zone. Bennett still threw for, you know, 340 in the game. But, again, he had that, he had 48 attempts. So, when you get into yards per attempt and you look at Bryce at 421 on four fewer attempts, um, you know, that's a pretty decided edge to Alabama, especially when you keep the turnover column clean. And not just in terms of, the three touchdown passes either for Bryce, but then he had the rushing score, um, four total touchdowns that he accounted for in the game. And uh, you get the pick six from Jordan Battle. That helped you breathe a little bit earlier. Different game in the second half this time than, say, last year because last year you knew you could take the clock with Najee Harris, with Landon Dickerson, things we talked about through the week. Alabama ran the football 14 times in the fourth quarter in that game in Tuscaloosa. That wasn't going to probably happen. And you worried there in the fourth quarter. It was still a two-touchdown game. You know, Georgia's got the football. Georgia scores, uh, cuts it to a touchdown, and Alabama isn't able to sustain something there for a, for another stretch, which it was an extended stretch there in the, uh, in the second half. Uh, but you had the five straight possessions for Alabama from the second quarter to the 55-yard touchdown catch.
by Jamison Williams there early in the third quarter in which they got points. Uh, what was it, four touchdowns and a Will Reichard field goal. So some areas that you went into the game sort of wondering if Alabama would be able to hang in against Georgia. First and foremost, up front on the offensive line, and I've probably taken way too long into this to, to get to that group because they were tremendous with Seth McLaughlin getting the start at center. Uh, really good plan, uh, great execution. It's just one of those situations you credit Bill O'Brien, you credit Doug Marone, you credit Seth McLaughlin in his first career start. Um, everything just seemed to be connected, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, with the offensive line from the outset. So whether you attribute that to the plan, whether you attribute that some to Seth McLaughlin stepping in there and maybe doing a little bit better job of identifying fronts, uh, making some calls. It was certainly a 180, right, from what you saw at Auburn the previous week. But I don't think anybody had Alabama out rushing Georgia in the game, and that happened. Now, look, it was 115 rushing yards, but still, any type of edge on Georgia in the run game as an Alabama fan, you definitely would have taken. And Bryce, again, was a big part of that. Three carries for 40 yards, heroic-type performance from Brian Robinson, I think he had 71 scrimmage yards, but, you know, even a limited Brian Robinson was going to be able to give you something you really needed in the game, and that was just from a pass protection standpoint. You saw it on the 67-yarder to Jamison. Uh, brought some heat, and uh, Brian Robinson steps up, picks it up. You're able to get it out. You have a little bit of a bust on the back end. We told you throughout the week Georgia was going to play some more zone than maybe what you would expect from a Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning defense. Uh, but you had a lot of room to work in that secondary after the catch. And when Jamison Williams catches the ball on the move like that, and he's essentially got a safety to beat, it doesn't matter really if most of these safeties have an angle or not. They're not going to get there. And so uh, that was a big spark, no doubt. But Plenty of credit to go around on the offensive side of the ball. I think you could say the same. And, look, another stat that one of those for the Alabama offense, if we would have told you going into the uh, going into the game, this is what these numbers are going to be, I don't think you would have believed us, was no sacks for Georgia and four tackles for loss. That's, that's about as much on the low end of anything – resembling realistic that I think anybody could have put out there, but that's the way it played out. And, you know, defensively for Alabama, um, you know, a good job on third downs uh, and pretty good on fourth downs too. Third down Georgia in the game, just three of 12 and two of four. So on possession type plays, five of 16. Uh, total plays were, again, a little bit worrisome for Alabama, Defensively in the second half, um, you saw Georgia kind of even on the drives where they didn't get anything, and those were huge. And, again, credit the Alabama defense for getting off the field. Kind of a curious call by Kirby there, still with time left to maybe go for the one-fourth down. But uh, the plays were still taking a little bit of an effect, you could see. Even though there weren't points, and it was still a two-score game, and that's why Battles picked six 
uh, was absolutely huge. Really a play that Jordan nearly made, what, right there in the first quarter. I think it was the same coverage. I think it was a robber coverage with the safety dropping down and sort of jumping the underneath stuff. And uh, he didn't get it the first time, but he got it the second time. And uh, Jordan battled with his second pick six of the season. Remember, he had one at Mississippi State there uh, in a game in which he had two picks. So huge moment there. Um you know, not a lot either for Alabama in terms of sacks and tackles for loss. But, uh, again, another area where Alabama had the edge over Georgia. No sacks for Georgia in the game, three sacks for Alabama. It took Will Anderson a little while, but he got there in the fourth quarter. Dallas Turner got there early. Talked about that earlier. Thought that was a big sack, a big moment to at least get off the field with which uh, is three. So, uh, good stuff all the way around. I thought even special teams. You know, I, I had a concern with the punting game because Jake Camarda for George is a real weapon, and he showed it. He had a 68-yard punt in the game, Camarda. And um, he averaged 52.5 for the game. Uh, but James Burnup early in the game when Alabama really needed to flip the field, uh, he got the job done. That was James Burnup's first punt of 50 yards or more all season. And he had that one in the first quarter, and then he followed it up with a nice hang 10 type of punt. Um, Kyrie Jackson, I believe, down that one at the three. So, you know, even in special teams, you had marked improvement over the near catastrophic performance at Auburn uh, last Saturday. And uh, collective team effort, I thought Nick Saban post game, I'm sure you've all seen or heard it at this point, was was revealing in his comments as to how he and his team utilized uh, the perceived lack of respect. I don't think it was perceived. Look, I didn't pick Alabama to win the game, but I wasn't one of these hammerheads out there talking about there's no chance Alabama wins the game or this might be a blowout. Uh, no, that was never part of the narrative for me, but um, – Nick certainly said that it was beneficial. He said, what What did he say about the rat poison? Uh, he said, usually the rat poison that the media feeds to his team is potentially or just outright fatal, he called it. Uh, but in this particular instance, with Georgia getting all of the rat poison, he found it to be, uh, he found it to be yummy. Yeah, we're going to get into that, Will. Will's wanting to know what about John Mechie, what we saw in game, and you just hate that for John first and foremost because over the second half of the season, we were really seeing that dude. And look, Alabama was on its way to once again, just like the game a year ago in Tuscaloosa, having a couple of guys go over 150. Um, Jamison did it on his own you know, in the mid-180s for the game. At the time of his injury there, late in the second quarter, Mech had – Six catches for 97 yards. So I think Bryce of the 286 that he threw for in the first half, Williams and Mechie had 213, 210-ish. Yeah. And it's a tough one. You know, Nick Saban after the game, I know on the message board there at BamaOnline.com, there's sort of been some back and forth about is it season ending? Is it possible that he could be back for the playoff? Um you know, Nick's wording was that he's probably going to be out. So that's what I took from that. And if, if that is the case, then 
you know, the one positive to come from this is that you got some time now. I, I don't think you have another John Mechie because I think with Mechie, it's not just about the physical attributes. Um, there's a toughness that he plays with, and there's a familiarity that's there. You know, there's some sort of sixth sense type stuff you see sometimes with Bryce and his receivers, uh, just sort of knowing where his guys are without really knowing. And that's some of the stuff that you just can't replace. I'll tell you what, I thought Blade Bolt, uh, Slade Bolton, Blade, that'd be a cool name. Slade Bolton was really clutch, right? Fourth quarter, trying to put the game away, third and five, about seven minutes left, and you hit Slade on the crossing route for 24 yards. That was a huge third down conversion. They had a big catch early in the game on one of the touchdown drives, too. Uh, there in the second quarter. So I thought Slade Bolden stepped his game up with five catches for 54 yards. Um, the tight ends were fine. Cameron Latou and Jalil Billingsley. I wouldn't say they had huge nights, especially when you consider how much Georgia targets Brock Bowers. Um, and also Darnell Washington, the 6'7 tight end, had a touchdown grab over Henry Toa Toa there um, as well. But uh, they did enough. I thought the perimeter blocking was better, too. Um, you saw Jamison Williams there in the second quarter on a on a quick screen out there, kind of a smoke screen. I thought Slade and Jalil Billingsley did some really good work on the perimeter to help spring him. Um, so I thought that, yeah, the, the, the wide receivers, the tight ends, you didn't see the ball on the ground much at all. Um, but yeah, Ja'Cory Brooks, if John Mechie's out for the playoffs, um, that's where you go. And you saw Trayshawn Holden in the game some too on Saturday. So he's certainly in that next up mix. Uh, but you got to start thinking about trying to rep up another receiver or two, uh, even beyond those guys. And I think, again, the potential for, Jalil Billingsley is still there. The opportunity is still there for him to have a significant impact uh, on this offense. I'm not sure on Kamar Wheaton, Joe. I mean, we haven't seen him all year. I I would think at this point, if you haven't seen him through 13 games and you're about to go into the college football playoff, I'm not saying that they can sort of turn their nose up at anyone based on their depth situation right now, but – You know, it's kind of hard to just throw people in there in the college football playoff. You did see Trey Sanders again. Uh, Second series of the game for Alabama, you saw Trey Sanders in there, and then you saw Christian Leary in there as well. And, um, you know, I thought Trey did some good stuff. Um, Ended up with just six carries for 21 yards. But, you know, you had three different guys with runs of 14 yards or more between Brian Trey and Bryce Young. Um, And so, you know, you didn't throw it to the backs as much, although Brian did have a couple catches uh, for 16 yards. Uh, It was more about those guys tonight in protection. Even little Christian Leary a time or two when he was in there and Georgia brought the heat, he tried to step up and pick it up. But, um, yeah, with Mechie going down, that's going to be obviously a major storyline here. Moving forward. So what do you got for me? Let's talk some hoops, too, uh, before we get out of here. Because, again, a nine-point win for the Crimson Tide out in Seattle. Jaden Shackelford, man, especially in the first half, was just on fire 
Alabama ends up making 13 threes for the game, but 10 of those were in the first half as UA took that 16-point lead over the third-ranked Zags into the locker room. It was kind of the comeback you were anticipating for Gonzaga in essentially a game on its uh, on its home four, but Alabama withstood it, and I thought Alabama got whistle whipped pretty good by a West Coast crew out there. Twenty four total fouls for Alabama in the game, fifteen for Gonzaga, but Alabama still won the battle at the free throw line. I thought it was fortunate for Alabama in some ways. Gonzaga did not shoot the free throws well at all, thirteen to twenty five. Alabama 16-22, but Shackelford, man, whether it was off the bounce, uh, beyond the arc, 6-8 of eight from 3 for Jaden Shackelford. Alabama shot at 13-34 for the game, just 3-11 of 11 in the second half. And uh, Gonzaga from 3, 9-23 of 23, uh, for the game, 7 makes in the second half. Did a good job, for the most part, on the guys you were worried about the most. From a defensive perspective, Drew Timmy had his 23 points and 10 boards. You kind of expect that from him. But Andrew Nimhart, the Florida transfer, just four points. Chet Holmgren, the five-star freshman, 10 points, 11 boards. Uh, but you withstood some real foul trouble in this game. And um, got quality minutes from a lot of guys uh, in this one. So... Big, big win for NATOs. This is how you replace the loss to Iona. Not that I think the Iona loss was terrible, because I think Iona will probably end up being a tournament team in its own right. But when you drop one like that, you want to go get one like this. And so Alabama did it. I just got a question about the college football playoff final four, the four-team playoff, what I think it'll look like. Um, Alabama's the one seed. I saw some stuff on Twitter. Was it going to be Michigan or Alabama? Hell, just use the 2020 Citrus Bowl as a tiebreaker, right? Alabama will be the one seed at 11 a.m. Central on Sunday. I can see Michigan being the two seed. I'd probably still have Georgia, too, if it's me. I know Georgia's not a conference champion, but – You can't convince me without seeing Michigan actually do it on the field that Michigan's a better team than Georgia. It doesn't really matter. It's going to be the 2-3 semifinal regardless. You know, the three's going to have to wear their road uniform. That's going to be basically the the only difference. But, no, I think that's probably Michigan 2. Georgia 3, as much as anything, at least Michigan has, you know, a couple of top 10-ish wins, I guess. Most recently, Ohio State. You know, when you look at Georgia, uh, you can't really point to that, can you? That Clemson win, that seems like four years ago after Clemson lost three games. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be one, two, three. I think Cincinnati's a four. You know, Oklahoma State, if it beats Baylor, that would have been very interesting there. Um, I think it's been borderline pitiful to watch Notre Dame grovel for a top-four spot just because they hired a new coach. That's been the premise of Notre Dame's campaign for one of the top-four spots. Hey, our coach left, but we promoted our, what, first-year defensive coordinator, the head coach, so we've got a coach, and really, really push that to try to get in the playoff. Ugh.
And look, from the national perspective, I saw some folks picking up the water and running with it for Notre Dame. You know, for a program that, in terms of the not even recent history, but go back a ways for a long, long time, where postseason sort of relevant uh, relevance and any type of success is concerned, um, they've been non-existent. But it's it's a hell of a brand, man. It's flickering just enough. To, to, there's still people out there that'll try to advance that so-called mystique, but uh, that's probably the good news in all this. You, we don't have to see. I'd rather see Cincinnati in the playoff at this point. I don't have any expectation of Cincinnati against Alabama. Who knows? Um, but I've seen Notre Dame in that spot, so uh, should be Alabama Georgia one two for me. But I think it'll be Alabama Michigan Georgia and then the Natty. And then I think you're looking at the very real possibility of a rematch. And the best thing about that for Georgia is that it won't be in the uh, in the city of Atlanta or the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Because as crazy as that sounds, seeing as how Athens is, what, hour and 15 minutes away, you would think Georgia would want that game against Alabama in that building every chance it gets. I don't know at this point. I think if you're Georgia and you say, look, let's go play in Indy, see how that works. Because it hadn't worked in Atlanta, that's for sure. What else you got for me on a late night? It's after, yeah, after 11 Central. You staying up watching some college football? You still wired after that Alabama basketball win on top of the Alabama football win over Georgia? What an afternoon and evening, right? Pretty amazing. Be interesting to see how Alabama bounces back. Good thing for Alabama basketball is they pretty much have a week between games so you're coming back from the West Coast and get your legs back under you. I guess you've got still maybe some finals going on, or is that over? Yeah, not sure. That's the problem. When I was in school, I didn't know when finals were. <laughs> what else, gang, before we get out of here? You guys seem to be uh, chatting pretty well. Yeah, Javon Baker's still with the team, Rick. I saw him celebrating post-game. Yeah, Javon's still there. We talked about that a little bit earlier, kind of the improvement in the offensive line play. I think you got to give credit to the coaching staff. I think it actually started in the second half at Auburn when you made the changes at center and at right tackle. That seemed to stabilize things a little bit. It wasn't perfect in the second half at Auburn, but it was a lot better in the first half. And then you have a full practice week. And then also, you know, I don't know if Georgia, in terms of just straight-up dynamic pass rushers, um, sort of met that criteria. I mean, we heard so much about Jordan Davis, uh, Jalen Carter, um, Devontae Wyatt, you know, all these guys, and they're impressive, but I tend to think of them more as early down guys, especially Jordan Davis. Hey, Jordan Davis, to me, is essentially Georgia's Terrence Cody, which is good. You know, on early downs, that's great to have that dude in the middle of the defense. But in 2021, especially uh, if you're going against a team that's throwing it 40, 40-plus 40 times, it pretty much pretty much negates the, the impact of a guy like that. 
But no, I thought Seth McLaughlin uh, did some really good things. You saw him and uh, Emil Echior there in the first half. They both combined for a nice pancake block on, I think that was B-Rob's longest run of the game. Looked like a, a zone left, outside zone left. And uh, they both did a nice job uh, on that play. So I think you give credit to everybody. You know, I think the players certainly deserve credit. McLaughlin at center, you know, he's not 6'5", 320 pounds. He's probably more like a William Vlahos than he is certainly a Landon Dickerson, but you can win with both those guys. You know, Ryan Kelly wasn't 325 either, and you can put Ryan Kelly with the very best centers in program history. And I just thought, you know, the critical plays went to Alabama. The fumble recovery by Bryce there in the second quarter, that was huge. Considering all the guys that Georgia had around the football, and Bryce is six foot, 185, and a couple of defensive linemen and a linebacker in there, you're thinking, there's no way Bryce is going to come out with that football. But, you know, uh, the option pitch he made on the one run, I mean, those are just championship caliber plays. A uh, little bit of improvisation there, but uh, I got a kick out of it because I'm a big triple option fan. You know, it sparked some, sparked some nostalgia in an old fart like yours truly to see Bryce make that pitch. So, uh, yeah, I think the offensive line, it, it's, it's, it's been uh, since the second half at Auburn, actually, you started to see some better things. Um, Brian, how you doing? Kathy, y'all are up way too late. Way too late on a Saturday night. But again, we've got a ton of coverage for you at BamaOnline.com. Charlie Potter, Kirk McNair, myself, uh, all the hoops, all the football. Going to have you covered on Sunday with the college football playoff uh, announcement. Don't have to sweat that one out now, do you? I mean, really, if Alabama had lost even to Georgia by a touchdown, you're really going to tell me you're not going to put Alabama and Georgia in the playoff together? Come on. Really? I mean, I watched Baylor and Oklahoma State earlier today. Fun game. Good game. Good for Dave Aranda. Good for Baylor. Big 12 champs. But really, come on. Really? So, yeah, we're going to have all that coverage for you um, throughout Sunday, end of the week, with the college football playoff announcement. You're going to have Heisman Trophy watch intensifying. The Heisman Trophy voters have until 4 p.m. Central on Monday to get those votes in. Should be easy at this point. Should be an easy choice, shouldn't it? Uh, But, yeah, that's the time frame they're working with. Um, and then we'll continue to wait to hear more on John Mechie. We'll update you on his status as best we can um, moving forward and kind of how that impacts things for this football team. We talked about it earlier. I mean, uh, certainly you would think Ja'Cory Brooks moves up. Uh, you know, Slade Bolden is pretty much your slot guy. Still got Jamison on the other outside spot. So your X and your Zs. Um, Probably in that scenario, Jamison Williams to Corey Brooks. Um, and then you, you start trying to, again, develop 
continue to develop a couple of guys to uh, to help you from a depth perspective. And look, good news. There's also some good news in that you would think by the time the semifinals roll around, Brian Robinson's in a much better place than he was for this one. Brad's asking about JoJo Earl. JoJo, uh, from our reporting, from Charlie Potter, uh, dressed out, but uh, wasn't quite ready to go, I guess. But that's another guy. That's a good point. JoJo Earl's a guy, more of a slot guy, but still a guy that you can probably get in there, even with Slade Bolden in the same stuff, um, and, and do some things. So, you know... It's tough. You, you, again, you hate it more for the player than you do anything else. And, uh, you know, for John, if it's uh, the season-ending variety, it changes multiple dynamics potentially. We'll get more into that once we know more. Uh, but certainly he's a guy with an NFL decision to consider as well. Again, he was closing extremely well, probably helping himself more and more with the next level. And then to have something like this potentially – uh, it's just a shame for him, and you know, we'll just uh, have to wait and see how that all plays out down the road. That's going to do it for instant analysis. A little bit of a double following the Alabama Crimson Tide's forty-one to twenty-four win over the Georgia Bulldogs in the twenty twenty-one SEC Championship game. That is Alabama's what seventh SEC title in the last ten years, two thousand twelve. Count them off with me. 2012, 14, 15, 16, 18, 20, 21. That's 7 and 10, right? Championship school, Carlos called it. There you go. Hey, Rod, thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us, my man. Um, and then again, of course, uh, Alabama hoops, men's hoops, 91-82 over the third-ranked Gonzaga. Bulldogs out in Seattle in your nightcap on Saturday night. Hey, keep it locked to BamaOnline.com. We're going to have, again, continuing coverage of the SEC championship game, of the college football playoff announcement, uh, looking ahead to the Heisman Trophy, uh, all of that. Basketball, we're going to have you covered at BamaOnline.com. Hang out with us at the roundtable, too, of course. The premium message board of choice for Alabama fans, around the world. That's going to do it for Instant Analysis. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody.